Welcome to the Messiah Podcast. We are so glad you tuned in today. Whether you are driving, doing chores, or taking a walk, we hope the Lord quiets your head and your heart to hear truth and be challenged through His Word. Without further ado, let's dive into the message. Happy Easter. So great to see you here. Welcome back. For those who haven't been here for a while, if it's your first time, we're just so glad you're here. And I want to encourage you today, we're going to open up the Bible And uh, if you would like one of these Bibles, uh, grab a nice one, put your name on it, uh, take it home with you as our gift to you. But start turning over to Mark chapter 16, it's on page 1022, and uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. So Mark 16 is where I want you to start turning to. So I don't know if you're a sports fan or not, um, but something happened late last night. Uh, There was a basketball game that was going on between two teams, Gonzaga and UCLA. Uh, How many of you saw it? All right, good. Just a few of you, but let me, let me bring up the speed, and you're going to see how this applies to Easter, and, um, and it really does, believe it or not. Um, these two tie together quite well. So UCLA was actually down by, by five with 50 seconds to go. Now you've got to understand that UCLA is seated number 11, Gonzaga seated number one, and uh, we're already in overtime, uh, and so... 50 seconds left, UCLA catches up with three seconds on the clock, Gonzaga gets the ball, runs down to just beyond half court, throws one up, it's tie score, throws one up at half court, just a little pass, buzzer sounds, basket. Unbelievable finish. You mean, if you know just a tiny bit about sports, it's probably the most spectacular finish of all of March Madness. And what you have, here's what you have, here's where it's going to relate to Easter. You have in this game with two teams the most unbelievable finish and Gonzaga is at the highest height you could ever imagine. Probably the greatest game of their entire career that they will relive the whole rest of their life. UCLA, it was the worst defeat of their entire life. Best, worst. Do you know what happened on Good Friday and Easter? It was the most spectacular event, both Good Friday and Easter. It was the most spectacular event of eternity. I mean, from if there, you know, like way, way, way back, there's no beginning, there's no end, and one event, one weekend, Friday and Monday, was the most spectacular event in history, and we're reliving it today because it impacts every one of us. See, let's start with Friday. Friday was the most spectacular event for the devil. It was the highest high he could ever have experienced. Remember the devil is a fallen angel. Was with God in heaven. Decided he wanted to sit on the throne. God threw him out. He's now a fallen angel. His name is Satan. This was the most spectacular event for him. It started with Adam and Eve when he tempted Eve to go ahead and eat the fruit that she could be like God. And then all throughout these 4,000 years, Satan has been creating havoc, creating havoc, creating havoc. 
And it all culminated on Good Friday. Because here's what Satan was able to pull off. It was the biggest upset of the century of eternity. He was able to get the temple leaders, the Jewish leaders, the church people, to crucify Jesus under the Roman governor. We actually looked at that Friday. If you want to go back and listen to a message, go back and listen to Friday. Uh, it was a really unique way that it was presented on Friday. And I think you're going to really understand why that was such an incredible victory that he was able to pull off. But not only did he pull off a crucifixion of God. I mean, he got God crucified. That's incredible he was able to do that. But he was actually able to work within the inner circle. Of the 12, he was able to get one, Judas, to be so deceitful that he betrayed Jesus and nobody knew it. Even among the other 11, had no clue he was going to betray Jesus. They were so um, not knowing that they thought he was going to give money to the poor and he was actually going to sell out for 30 pieces of silver to betray Jesus. It's incredible. And if that wasn't enough, Jesus had an inner circle, three people, Peter, James, and John. And Peter denied even knowing Jesus. In the last day of Jesus' life, late at night, Jesus said, you're going to deny me. And Peter said, I'll never deny you. I'll die with you. And here's Peter. You know, you were with Jesus. No, I wasn't. Yeah, you talk like you were Galilee. You, you were with him. No, I wasn't. Third time, he calls down curses, says, I don't know the man. And the rooster crows, and Peter looks at Jesus, and he shatters. He completely is devastated. He, he goes out and he weeps bitterly. He can't believe his defeat. If that wasn't enough, Judas goes out and takes his own life. You know what Jesus says about Satan? Here's what he says. His purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. He's a liar, he's a deceiver, and he disguises himself as an angel. Good Friday? There was dancing going on with Satan. There was celebrating. There was dancing. They pulled off the biggest upset in all eternity. How were the disciples doing? Horrible. The Bible says they were behind locked doors in fear of the Jewish leaders. They were scared. Peter was ashamed. I mean, imagine Peter over and over replaying it. I can't believe I let him down. I can't believe when he needed me the most, I wasn't there. I didn't stand with him. I denied him. I said I didn't even know him. I mean, imagine... Imagine the devastation. That's Friday. 
but it's not over. That's what's so incredible about Easter. So now it's Sunday morning. Well, let's go to Saturday night first. And then this is where we start. So Mark 16. When the Sabbath was over, so this means it's now Saturday at dusk. Jesus was crucified on Friday. It was now Saturday at dusk when the Sabbath was over, Saturday at dusk. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spice, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. That was Saturday. Very early on the first day of the week, this is now Sunday morning, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? So you know this story. So here's the women, they gather together 50 or 100 pounds of spices, quite a bit of spices, you know, and these women are carrying um, very heavy spices. And while they're on their way to the tomb, it dawns on them, uh, they have a problem. They have a problem because how are they going to roll the stone away? See, here's a picture of the garden tomb. This is the tomb over in Israel where they believe Jesus was laid because Golgotha was just a stone's throw. It actually, this place meets every criteria of the Bible. And if you notice, underneath the door, there's a track. See that little track? That's for the stone. So imagine a round stone that is taller than the doorway. You can see how big it is. And if you notice, the incline goes down to the right. So... So not only is the stone really heavy, but now you have to push it uphill. And here's the women. They're carrying all these spices, and they're like, "Uh, did anybody think about how we're going to get the stone away? No. Maybe we should have brought some of the other people with us, some of the guys with us, and, and maybe just some more women, but we probably need more people in order to roll the stone away. And they had a dilemma that they couldn't figure out as they're talking about it. So now we have to pause. We're coming back. Turn over to Matthew chapter 28 because God intervenes. See, this is what you need to start to see is how God intervenes in our lives. These women were at the worst point of their life. The absolute lowest place these women could have ever been. And now they can't even get into the tomb. I mean, wouldn't that be devastating? You can't even do what you came to go do because you can't figure out a way to roll the stone away. And the stone is guarded. And there's a seal on it. And so you can't do it. And God intervenes. So chapter 28 of Matthew, verse 2. There was a violent earthquake for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. You realize one angel moved the stone all by himself. Don't miss that. All these women are wondering how they're going to roll the stone away, and one angel just rolls it away, just moves it. The power of God through the angel. And then he sits on it. His appearance was like lightning. His clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook, and they became like dead men. All right, so God took care of the stone and rolled it away. Now go back to Mark. So the dilemma that they had, God fixed. Have you ever seen that? Like, like how am I going to overcome this 
worst time of my life or the most difficult thing that I've ever done or gone through in my life. How am I going to do this? Don't ever underestimate God. God intervenes. God intervened in this situation and took care of the stone. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. Now imagine what they were thinking. Huh, fancy that. How'd that happen? I mean, sometimes it's the innocence of, huh, that stone's rolled away. Wonder how that happened. God, that's how it happened. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. I would say so. You just don't expect to see a young man dressed in white in a grave. You just don't expect it. And I'm sure it just alarmed us, probably an understatement. It probably like made them shudder and just shake right in their boots, you know, because it's like, oh my goodness, there's somebody in this tomb. And I'm sure they were looking around the tomb and very quickly you realize something's amiss. I mean, there's an angel, but there's no body. See, isn't that the irony here? The women were looking for a body and found an angel. That's pretty amazing. They were entering into a grave signifying death. And they found hope. Whoa, there's an angel in here. What's that mean? What's that all about? They were looking for death. And they found somebody alive. That's the incredibleness of God. That God surprises us. You see, what they didn't know is that while they were sleeping, the greatest victory of all time happened. See, I didn't watch the game last night. I watched it till regulation time ended. Then I had to go to bed. Because I knew I had to preach today. Then I woke up and I quick asked Siri, tell me how the game went. And I looked at the video. So you see, I didn't see the game either. But these women didn't see what happened either. They were sleeping when the greatest victory of all time happened. And it didn't matter that they didn't see Jesus actually rise. But you know what? They saw what was happening. And it was incredible. And that's you and I. We haven't seen it. We don't have to see it to believe it. We can read about it and say, that's incredible. The greatest victory of eternity happened and we were all sleeping and didn't even know it. And same with the women, they didn't even know it. And now they're trying to understand what's going on. And here's what the the angel says, verse six. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus. And then he clarifies, the Nazarene who was crucified. Just so that there's no question in the, and the ladies' minds, like, we're talking about the same Jesus. Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified? Yeah. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Okay, now let's go into the tomb. Now we're inside the tomb of Jesus. Here it is. And if you notice, there's a slab missing on the left side. There used to be a flat slab. And then there's another one on the right, if you can see that. Uh, kind of on the edge of the screen. So here's the two slabs. Jesus was on one of these, and the angel was probably sitting on the other one. And we're inside the tomb. They were inside the tomb, and the angel invites them in. Come in. Come in. See. Look. Look with your own eyes. 
For me, watch the video. For them, see it. The grave clothes were there, but there was no body. Jesus was not there. And then he said, he has risen. He's not here. When you're in the tomb and you turn around and look at the door, this is what you find. There's a sign on the door that says, he's not here for he has risen. Uh, When I was in the tomb, um, I was trying to imagine Jesus' body. And I was struggling to imagine Jesus in the tomb. And when I turned around and here was that sign, he's not here. Duh. I'm trying to imagine something that he's not here. And the sign reminded me he's not here. Now you want to hear a scandal? So last time we were there, about a year and a half ago, we were in Israel and walked in the tomb and there's no sign. I said to the volunteer there, I said, what happened to the sign? He said, somebody stole it. Somebody stole the sign that Jesus is risen. Yep. And they just didn't replace it. Okay. Then the angel says, go. They couldn't stay there. See, it's not about his death. It's about life. It's about after the tomb. Go. Go on. Get out of here. There's nothing for you to do here. You saw. Get out of here. See, there's something really significant for us. Don't dwell on the past. Don't dwell on the wrong. Don't dwell on the past. Don't dwell on what you did wrong. Don't dwell on death. Don't dwell on hopelessness. Don't dwell on the bad. Go. Go. It's behind you. Go. And tell. But go tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. You know, I love to highlight certain words. But go tell his disciples. What's it say? And Peter. I don't ever remember reading that before. Go tell his disciples and Peter. What's up with that? Remember what happened on Friday for Peter? Worst day of his whole life? Denied Jesus? In shame? I mean, can you imagine the shame? Can you imagine the guilt? Can you imagine the shame? And Jesus, I mean, and Peter thinking, God could never love me. Jesus could never love me after I did what I did. Is there anything so bad as what Peter did? To deny three times that you even know him. And all weekend long, you can imagine him struggling and saying, I can't be forgiven for this. God could never forgive me for this. I can't forgive myself for what I did. I can't. And the women go back and they tell the disciples what they saw. And part of the message was, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. You will see him. And imagine Peter, I'm not welcome. 
you all go. I'm not welcome. I can't do it. And then imagine these women coming up and putting a hand on Peter and said, he called for you by name. He wants you. Imagine that moment that he felt rejected and then all of a sudden, and Peter, Peter, all the women gathering around Peter, Peter, he asked for you. That's called grace. Jesus loved Peter and showed grace. Jesus loves us. And it doesn't matter what we've done. He shows grace. You can read the rest of this in Mark. But they went out later on to share with people the good news that Jesus died and rose again. And God offers it to everybody. He asks us to do something called repent. And that just means if I'm running away from God that I turn around and I walk towards God. And I change. And I turn towards God. And God immediately forgives me. Immediately. The shame, the guilt, whatever we've done, whatever our past is, he says, and, and calls you by name, and he wants you. And he wraps his arms around and loves us. It's just beyond comprehension that Jesus did this so that you and I could be restored in a relationship with him. That's the very reason and if you're thinking that may be for everybody else, but not for me, no, it's for you. You're the one, and go tell the church, and you put your name in there. Because God's calling you and loves you more than you could ever imagine. There was no greater expression of love than Jesus sacrificially giving up his life do you realize, I said this Friday, there's nothing that God could do more to show that he loves us by giving up his son. God can't do any more to show us because it was the highest expression of his love by giving up his son. He can't love you any more than he already does. And the Easter message is for you and I that says, see, he conquered the grave. He conquered death. Go tell the church, go tell the disciples and you how much he loves you and you're welcome and he can't wait to be with you. Incredible message. So it went from being the biggest upset on Friday. Imagine Sunday morning the greatest victory of eternity was Easter. You have to understand that. It was the greatest victory of eternity. And it was the devil's worst day. Because he'd been beat for all time. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, how can we ever say thank you for your grace? That means we don't deserve anything from you good, but you show us how much you love us. You showed us on the cross. And the tomb was your victory that secured a place in heaven for us. It assures us that our sins are really forgiven. And you call us by name because you love us and you want to be restored in a relationship with us. And how can we ever say thank you enough for that, that you love us that much, that you call us by name. And it doesn't matter where we've been. Leave it in the grave and move on and go live your life in freedom. So Lord, bless us today. And, and I, I guess today, Lord, we just want to say thank you. It's your special day. And thank you that we get to be a part of it. And we just want to say thank you. Thank you for everything you've done for us and continue to do for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you are challenged and encouraged to walk in truth in your everyday. Please share with friends and family, and we can't wait to have you next time on the Messiah Podcast.